the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This week we continue our series on God's character as we look at God's name. The main reading is Exodus chapter 3. Verse 14 says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me. verses we've been uh, meditating on over the past few months uh, from Exodus 34 uh, the glory of the Lord passing in front of Moses the Lord the Lord the gracious the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness has said maintaining has to a thousand forgiving wickedness rebellion and sin yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished he punishes the children their children to the fathers of third and fourth generation so we've been looking at that, we're looking at, at uh, all those things that God does, and uh, we're just going to drop back onto who he is, his name, his name. Well, of course, uh, for me and you, names just are identification, aren't they? That's all that we use names for. Um, uh, because I'm David, and that means beloved, of course, uh, that's very nice. But that's not why I was named, they probably just fancy the name, but in Biblical times, names meant character, nature, purpose, the prophetic sometimes, or what they wanted for their child, or their history, or their background. It, it told us a lot about the person. So when God comes and says that this is my name, we've got to take notice. Of course, um, this particular word, uh, it, 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 it's uh, perplexing sometimes, and it, it for good reason, because he's God. And it, it, I suppose when they come to try and explain it and bring it down to what it is, they say, well, it could be this and it could be that and it could be a number of things. Um, ultimately, um, that's what we got. Yahweh, well, is it Yahweh? They've add, they added, uh, obviously, uh, vowels after. And, uh, but interesting, he said, no, we've got to know what this name means because he says very clearly, doesn't he? Um, in verse uh, 15, the Lord, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me. This is my name forever. The name by which I am remembered from generation to This is my memorial name. Like the Passover is a memorial. This is a name we've got to, again, to try and begin to understand to see who God is. See how awesome he is. And when we begin to see what it really means, we think, Lord, forgive me for my uh, weakness, my uh, laziness sometimes, my, my lack of faith when I'm praying. Oh, Lord, I ask you for small things when he's the God of the universe. I am. Well, it, it is, I suppose, uh, based around the verb to be, if you like, to be or not to be. It can mean I am, I, I was, I am, and I will be. Dave, us all tenses. Well, of course, that's where God is trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us he is. He was, and he is to come. He is uh, eternal, infinite. 
Um, if we look at our tenses, past, present, future, we, we have a particular tense that puts ing on something, which, which gives us the continual tense. It's, I suppose it's maybe like starts in the past and continues on. It's called the imperfect tense. Where, and we could say uh, ing, I am ing, no such thing, but we're just trying to get a picture of what God is trying to tell us. He is the awesome one. So much so this name was um, valued amongst the Jews they wouldn't name it. They wouldn't use it. So what they did, and, and what we've got caught up in now, they used to replace it with the word Adonai, which is the Lord. So a lot of our translations, uh, I, I think NIV and a lot of others, put Lord in capital letters uh, because that's what they said. They wouldn't name it. And you know what? Um, they, there's, there's something about that where they, they elevated the Lord and revered him so much, they didn't want to name him. And I, I, they, I think we've gone f- too far the other way, haven't we? We're pretty flippant with God. Um, now, he is our father, and he, he invites us to come in with boldness and confidence, but we, we have lost that awesomeness of who God is sometimes, haven't we? Um, so they, that's, that's building a picture. Uh, God is revealing himself. Now, that's the first thing we notice. God is a God that reveals. God is a God who's personal. I is a personal pronoun, of course. I am. He's a personal God. Now, let's just read a couple of things. We just need to just um, dwell on a minute. Psalm 9, 9 to 10. The Lord also will be a refuge to the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. You, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name will put their... You see, once we begin to understand who God is, who else are we going to trust? Who else are we going to put our faith in? And you know what? It brings a bit of perspective, doesn't we? Because we, we get really, don't we, get distracted by this and we get concerned about this and, Lord, you are awesome. Get a grip, Dave. You know, you, you, this is dealing with eternal matters, great matters. So God is a God um, uh, who is that, who is like this. Well, let's read our first verse just to put us where we're supposed to be. Genesis 1. It's easy one to get. Genesis 1, 1 to 4. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. See, God doesn't debate his existence, does he? Of course he doesn't. And uh, neither should, should we, in one sense, because when we began to see the, the, the magnificence of creation, that's all he's left us with is creation to point us to him. Um, and then, of course, Jesus comes and reveals himself. But So the first thing we see is God exists. Dave, that's just a plain statement. Let me read something about what this man said. It is true we say God exists. And is it not true that in your life, the, the more honor and importance and virtue and power and beauty a person has to you, the more, regu- more regard he has paid and the more respect he has shown, the more admiration he's received. Is that not the case? Of course it is. Then why is it I had such an insignificant place? Is God talking now? Then why is it I had such an insignificant place in your life since you say you believe in me? Why didn't you feel more admiration for me and seek my wisdom more often and spend more time in fellowship with me and strive to know the way I wanted you to make all everyday decisions? 
See, some people think, how will God um, judge us? How will God sentence people? In our arrogance, we sometimes think there won't be any evidence, yet the evidence is overwhelming, isn't it? Listen to this. The defendant affirms that God exists. Yes, I do. But his personal life lived as though God made no difference. There's the evidence, isn't it? If God be God, then why are we not caught up with him? Why are we not saying, God, I'm going to go your way, however difficult, however problematic it is, however, I'm going to go your way. I'm I'm going to be caught up with you. My time, Lord, is your time. I'm going to be caught up in worship. Don't care what people think. Lord, I'm I'm going to talk about you, tell of you, live for you. Yes, we, we affirm God exists, but such a manifest inconsistency so often in our lives when we come, come to living for him or living in the knowledge of him. So there's God. He reveals himself. Up until then, we knew the name. The new, that name was used prior to that. But now God recognizes identifies this name and explains this name. He is self-existent. My being is from my being. My existence is from my existence. I am self-existent. I am who I am. I will be what I will be. And some people say, oh, Dave, what, what does that mean? Well, we're going to break it down to see what that actually means tangibly. Let's read Psalm 90, 1 and 2. Lord, you have made our all generations. Before the all you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So the first thing, if, if he was, he is, and he is to come, then he's telling us, as he just did then, I am from everlasting to So he is infinite, he's eternal, there is nothing before him. So when we say, so often kids say, oh, where did, who made God? Well, no, no, God was from eternity. Never, always been, always, before, the, before the, the first spark of the universe, before anything created, God was. God was. And God uh, was before all that. Let's listen to these verses that Jesus dropped in. James, uh, John 5, 25 and 26. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. What he's saying, he he is life. And he has life with himself. It's, it's a lovely word. It comes from lots of way different Latin, but it's called a seity. He has life within himself and an ending energy from himself. What he's saying, he doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need anything because he is almighty God. I am. And he is not just the author of life. He's the author of reality. There's no reality that exists behind him or before him. And any other reality that does exist is because he's willed it and he's created it. What he's saying, I am utterly absolute. Behind me there is nothing, no reality. His utterly self-determined character of the everlasting God is the end point of all our questions. He is absolute reality. 
and realize that he simply is who he is. He is who he is. So he's life itself. He's life itself. The great thing about that is that he upholds things. Let's just read these verses. Uh, Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. He spoke to them many times and in many different ways. Now in these last days, God has spoken to us through his Son. God has chosen his Son to own all things. And he made the world through the Son. The Son reflects the glory of God. He is the exact copy of God's nature. He holds everything together with his powerful word. The Son made people clean through their sins. And he sat down at the right hand of God, the Great One in heaven. Again, he's trying to bring it. He said, in him was life, and life was the light of man. John picks it up. There's no life outside of him, and he is life itself. A Hebrew writer says, he appointed everything through him. All things was made. Listen to verse 3. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. When we talk about the fine-tuning of the universe, is no accident. Of course it isn't. When, when they, can, they can bring it down to point, oh, 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 down to minute fine-tuning. Is that by chance? Come on. Big bang, the only big bang there was is when God spoke, hit the water, and light exploded. That's the only big bang there was. Any other big bang, any other explosion causes chaos. Doesn't cause order, does it? An explosion? Well, not in my book anyway. And in science, it, it, it doesn't work like that. Explosions create chaos, yet there's great order. And he upholds things. The Bible says he, he, he adheres it. We talked about on Sunday, it coheres. What about um, Colossians says the same thing? For by him all things were created, both heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, all, all the, uh, the dimensions they want to talk about, created by God, for God. They're all created by him, under him, and he is before all things, and in him all things, listen, hold together, consist, are upheld, are all in his hand. Why? Because he's the I am. He's eternal, he's unchanging. Bless the Lord. That's the God. That's why he said, I wanted to remember this name, and this is my eternal name. Why? Because I am eternal. I am. I am. So he upholds things. He's life itself. He's reality itself. The great thing about that then, he doesn't change. He doesn't change. The word we use is the lovely word called immutable. I love that word. He doesn't change. Now, that's good news, isn't it? Because I don't know about you. We are pretty, pretty changeable, aren't we? Dear me. On the best days, we are changeable. But he is unchanging. He is immutable. Um, let's read those verses. Malachi, I can say Malachi. Uh, Malachi 3, 5 to 7. For I will come to put you on trial. And will be put to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who deformed laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners and unmuted of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. 
I, the Lord, do not change. And it's a good job, isn't it? He doesn't change because he's eternal. And nothing catches him unawares, is it? Now, we change because we, we say something and then circumstances turn up or something happens and we change our mind or we change what we... But not God. Because God, nothing takes him unaware. He sees all things, you know. That's why he doesn't change. His truth doesn't change. His standards don't change. Now we say, well, what, well, David, he said this in the Old Testament. Well, let me just say what he said is wrong in the Old Testament is still wrong in the New Testament. Now, how they dealt with it then is not necessarily how they deal with it now, but it's still wrong. Because in the Old Testament, it was the death penalty. Well, God has, has uh, brought Jesus under the death penalty, but judgment is, is delayed until eternity, isn't it? It was instant then because it was for the people of Israel. It was for the purity of Israel. But now, it, it, just because, like, oh, that was the Old Testament. Let me just say it was wrong then. It's wrong now. And as Jesus said otherwise, talking about ceremonial things and foods and things, different things. But morally, yes, absolutely, doesn't change. He doesn't change. Um, Hebrews 13, 8 and 9. Jesus Christ is the same I love the con remember the context of that. Of course, he, he talks about never leave without never seek. You keep keep yourself pure, keep yourself, uh, you'll be prosperous in the Lord, content. Then he says, the Lord doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, day, and forever. Again, a, a declaration of his divinity, of course. And then he says, don't be carried away by this and that. Why? Because Jesus is the same. And the gospel doesn't change. What did Paul say? Look, if someone comes with a different Jesus or a different gospel, even if I come and preach a different gospel, he said, check me out. He says, check me away. Because there's only one gospel, only one way. And Jesus doesn't change. He's immutable, beautiful, fantastic. The Bible says Jesus, uh, the, the Lord doesn't change like shifting shadows. There's no parallax with him. He's a good God. And from him, all the good gifts come. James 1. So that's who, when we says, I am, he is immutable. He cannot change. He is awesome. Um, and life itself comes from all these verses. Isaiah 40, 25, 31, I think. To whom you pay, of whom my equal says the Holy One, lift your eyes and look to the heavens, who create all things. He who plays at the starry horse one by one, and calls them each by name. The kiss of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain always in the earth? My way is in from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. And the Lord will try to and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weak and increases the power of the weak. Even you so tired of the weak, and young men stumble forward. For those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not go in. They will walk and not be faint. It's a great, great verse, isn't it? 
I love the way the Lord taught. He, he comes on the way. Look, he said, who are you going to compare me to? Now, come on. You can see him, can't you? He's, he's coming down. Oh, well, why he comes down? Oh, well, ever some, I don't know. Because he must think, how oh, dull are you? He said, you, who are you going to compare me? I'm the creator. Look at the stars. Look at creation. Who am I going to compare to you? And I, I'm inexhaustible. I'm inexhaustible. And then he, he puts it at the end of there, doesn't he? Um, I'm the everlasting, the creator of the heavens. He will not grow tired. Bless the Lord. He will not grow weary. His understanding no one can fathom. Then he talks about me and you and young, even the young people, he said, grow tired and weary. Then he, he drops us in. But those who wait upon the Lord, those who put them, their lives in the Lord, those who get entwined with the Lord. That's what remember we talked about, the rope that entwines. Uh, if you get entwined with the Lord, you will rise up with wings as eagles. You will run and not faint, walk and not get weary. Why? Because he is inexhaustible. He cannot change. He is life itself. Let's read, we've read these verses the other day about Paul. Again, he's talking to um, those intelligentsia, trying to get them right back to the beginning, but then bringing God uh, into their hearts. Uh, Acts, 6, Acts 17, 22, 30. And Paul stood in the midst of Martin and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things we are too superstitious. For as I passed by in the elder devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I am here. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the time before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feed after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold, or silver, or stone, graven by art and man's device. In the times of this ignorance, God winked out, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Paul, what a great sermon. Come back to the Creator, not just any Creator, the Creator of everyone, all things, and because He lives, we live. He said, we live and move and have our being because He exists. If God did not exist, we would not exist. If God, if God takes his hand away from the earth, his protective hand, as he will at the end, the Bible says everything will be uh, burnt up, new heaven, new earth. You say, what is that? That's, it looks, like, in, in my small estimation, like a nuclear, because the Bible says he let go of those forces that he's holding all together. He's holding all the atoms together, and he said, right, let it go. And the Bible says it'll just be everything incinerated. And then he'll renew everything, heaven and new heaven and earth. Why? Because he's going to make a new heaven and earth. Why? Because this is, this is fading. It's getting worse. You know, people, scientists, whatever, the little they know tell us everything's running down. Well, we can see that. So God needs to renew it. And that's what he'll do. That's what he'll do. But ultimately, in him from him well and so we've got to be again lift our eyes up get uh, he says by you get our objective objectivity is crucial why because remember we're not creating a god in our own image a jesus this is the awesome god 
So whatever he says, even the things I don't like, the things that cut across, I'm going to elevate him. Why? I'm going to know him, the God who is who he says he is. Awesome is our God. What does the Bible say? He is awesome. Nothing can compare. Incomparable. Bless the Lord. Psalm 40, verse 4 to 5. Nothing compares to him. You see, listen to what Isaiah 40 says. This is interesting. We just read it, but there's a few verses beforehand. It's a little bit sobering. All the nations are as nothing before me. They are counted, they are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. So don't think you're anybody, mind. Yeah? Isn't it? Man puffs himself up, but the Bible says nothing compares to him. Everything depends on him. Listen to this. Everything is secondary. The universe is secondary. Let us sink in. You are secondary. Humanity is secondary. God is primary. He's absolutely first. He's the last. He's glorious. Everything else is secondary. Forget that, don't we, sometimes? Because the lie of the devil says, oh, you're pretty good, Dave. The Lord, the Lord owes you a lot, doesn't he? No, he don't owe us anything. He don't owe me or you anything. But his mercy and his grace. So that, again, when we understand how great he is, nothing can compare to him. Only him. Only him. Isaiah 43, 10 and 11. You are my witnesses, praise the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me no God is born, nor will it be my food. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no servant. Very clear, isn't it? Apart from me, don't look here, don't look there. And the great thing about when G, uh, uh, the Lord reveals himself and discloses himself to Moses here in Exodus 3, immediately he goes to the um, people of Israel and said, the Lord's told me, yeah, yeah, okay. And then immediately he proves himself 10 times against 10 of the Egyptian gods. He, he just says, look, what, what, what? These are our gods, are they? They're no gods at all. They're idols, and God reveals himself and, and shows himself. Yet, unless we allow that to affect us and uh, dwell in us day by day, we'll become like Israel, won't we? Oh, they were so excited, weren't they? On the, on, on the side of the Dead Sea, when they could see all the dead Egyptians, and the Bible says, dear me, they were dancing and singing. The tambourines were there. I don't know how good that was, but thankfully it was, the tambourines were in the desert. What did someone say? Keep them there. Um, but they were so excited. How many days? How many weeks? In, in, did they, this the awesome God, they saw destroy Egypt, the greatest uh, kingdom of the time, destroy them. They saw it in front of their eyes. And it was just a few days. 
Because of what do we say? They were taken out of Egypt, but Egypt has got to be taken out of them. In their hearts, they turn back to Egypt. And that's why we need to keep our eyes on the Lord all the time. Because we are not conforming. God is not going to conform to us, is he? We have got to conform to him. Why? Because he's the awesome one. And he knows best. He created us. He's sustaining us. He says, look, this is the way, walk in it. But the arrogance of man, the pride of man, because the devil comes along. That's his, that's his, that's, that was his weakness, pride. And he builds us up. And oh, I was thinking the other day, and Lord, help me, help me. Because it's, 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 I love the Lord because we think we're doing well. And the Lord just puts something in or puts someone there. And, put, and I think, oh, yeah, Lord, still a bit of work to be done. Still a bit of work to be done. Still a lot of me in me. Lord, help me. Bless the Lord. So there's only one. But also, that means everything he does is right. Oh, now that's a struggle because some of us have been walking this way a long time and some of us have prayed for people and we haven't seen answers. We wanted answers, of course. We've done something and we thought the Lord should have done it this way and it didn't work out. And sometimes we blame God, although it didn't always God. is me sometimes or someone else. And, but God always does the right thing. That's amazing. We just sung it. Let's read it. Uh, Deuteronomy 32. Perfect. All his ways are right. All his ways are perfect. Ah, now... That's, that's where faith comes in then, you see? Because we've got to rest in him. We've got to say, Lord, okay. Be careful because sometimes when it comes to prayer, God is, is, is leading us to keep praying, isn't he? Pressing in, persevering. Sometimes we give up too quickly. Yeah, there's no doubt. I'm sure we'll get to heaven and we'll think, ah, Lord, I know I should have prayed more, more of that and I would have come through. But sometimes you just got to rest in the Lord because he knows best. He's perfect. His ways are perfect. That's amazing. So we don't have to get, don't have to get head up. He's, God has no beginning, self-existent, eternal power. God is not without end. Bless the Lord. He's the absolute reality. He's utterly independent of us. Everything depends on him. Nothing compares to God. God cannot be improved. Now we think we can improve him, don't we? <laughs> but absolute perfection cannot be improved. That's why we take that's why we, that, that takes faith then to trust him. Lord, I know you know best. When I get to eternity, I'll see you did know best. <laughs> I look and think, oh, that's why you did that, Lord. That's why that happened. Uh, God sets the ultimate standard. He's the standard. He himself is the standard of right, the true, the beautiful, the magnificent, the wonderful. He is the ultimate standard. Always does right and nothing is worth more. He is the most valuable, the most important person in existence in the universe. He's worth more of interest and attention and admiration and enjoyment than all other persons and all other realities put together, including the universe. And you know what? He wants us to enjoy him. He wants us to know him. That's the great God. This is the God that we're talking about. That's awesome, isn't it? And we say, well, I'm not sure, David, this is the God. Well, let's see what Jesus said. Bless the Lord. Jesus comes along. This is what he says. John 8, 57 to 59. 
You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. I am. Now, they knew exactly what he was meaning because that's why they tried to kill him. You, a man claimed to be equal with God. I am. So when they say, well, he wasn't God, it's very clear when he said that, I am. And of course, we mentioned the seven I ams. Well, he can make eight or nine if you want in, in John. But the seven, I am. Every time he said, I am, bread of life, light of the world, resurrection and life and all those others. I am. He was saying, I'm God. I am Yahweh. That's why they tried to kill him, and that's why they did kill him. He is the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Bible says. Every time, every day, the Israelites, again, the Shammah, remember we said, the Lord, the Lord your God is one. The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh. Of course, they say Lord, they won't say the name. So our God tonight, he is an awesome God. I am. I was, I am, I will be. Awesome is his name. Why? Because that's who he is. Our God, when we begin to see who he is, our faith rises. All his promises we can stand on. We know he's going to be with us. He's never going to leave us. That's because of his character, provision, his power. Bless the Lord. We just read about his power to me. There was a weight upon the Lord. Shall we knew their strength? Bless the Lord. And it's all guaranteed. Why? Guaranteed in his name. Dave, this is my name. Remember it. This is my eternal name. As a memorial from generation to generation, I am. Bless the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.